The scripture tells us there are angels among us and they are ministering spirits helping us who inherit salvation, which is a pretty amazing statement. And that's Hebrews 1.14, if you want to look it up. The, wor the word ministering, they are ministering spirits sent to help those who have salvation. Uh, ministering means serving. So they are serving, they are helping us to be able to do the things that God has called us as believers to do. Think about the help that we have to do the work we're called to do. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We've been given the Holy Spirit. God actually dwells inside of us. By the way, there's nothing in the Bible that would ever make us think that the Spirit of God indwells angels. We are unique in that the Spirit of God indwells us and we are empowered by that. And we have these powerful angels who are more powerful than us who help us, and there's more of them than there is in the demonic world. There, there's a tendency for people to get demon-focused and to think, well, the devil's attacking me and all this demonic stuff is going on, and forget what we have on our side, the strength we have on our side. Now, God created the celestial kingdom as well as the seen, the seen and the unseen, the spiritual and the physical. We see the physical, we see that as a reality, but the spiritual really is our reality if we've been born again because our spirit was quickened, it was brought to life, and we will now live in the spirit realm forever. Not that we won't have a body because we will. We'll have the glorified body, but we now have a spirit. And Jesus said, those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. In Colossians 1.16, we're told, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible. And then it gives this list, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. When we're told that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and a spiritual host of wickedness, now we find principalities and powers on the list of who God created. This tells us there's a ranking system among the angels. And we'll talk about that as we mark our way through here. Now, he goes on to say, all these things were created through him and for him. Everything that was made, angels, man, animals, everything was made for him. Now, angels come up a lot in the book of Revelation. So it will be good for us after we cover our text to take a look at what the Bible has to say about angels and the cherubim and the seraphim, which are two specific kind of angels that the Bible talks about. And it will be good for us to get familiar with what the Bible has to say about them. And, and as I got into this, I realized I, I can't even cover all I really wanted to cover about angels today. Um, each one of them, the cherubim, seraphim, each one of them, there could be its own teaching that would cover all of them. But let's start with our text. This is Revelation chapter four. Uh, John has seen an open door in heaven. He heard a voice like a trumpet. And in chapter one, the voice like a trumpet was Jesus. So here we are in chapter four, a voice like a trumpet says, come up here. And, and John is in the spirit and he's in heaven and he sees a throne and he sees one on the throne. He sees 24 elders around it. He sees a glass sea in front of it. He sees, um, he sees seven lamps, which represent the Holy Spirit that is before God. And, and 
this vision goes on from here. It says then in verse six, before the throne, there, were, there, were, there was a sea of glass like crystal and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes front and back. And this is verbiage that is borrowed from Isaiah, from especially Ezekiel. Ezekiel has his vision and he's on the banks of a river in, by Babylon. He's basically in a concentration camp, been taken captive into Babylon and he sees a whirlwind and out of this whirlwind, he says, I see four living creatures that are carrying the chariot throne of God. And we're gonna look at that vision tonight, but this four living creatures. Now these are spirits. These are types of angels, but they're called living creatures because they don't look like any angels that we think. When we think of angels, we think of some you know, good looking, shining angel with wings. And, and I had a buddy who told me one time that he saw an angel in, in his room and it was seven feet tall and had really wide wings. I'd like to see an angel if it was like that. Do I want to see an angel that's like this? I don't know. Not necessarily. It says the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. So here these are, and they have these faces. And when you think of this, the lion represents the wild animals on land on the earth. The, the calf represents the domesticated animals on land on the earth. The, the, the man, the face like a man, represents mankind on land on the earth and the and the eagle represents the birds that fly above the land and that nest on the land on the earth so it represents all of these things doesn't represent anything in the ocean but it represents all of these things it's, it's the totality of everything in these four creatures that are flying around and I think that's important because it tells us there is a connection between the world that we see, the physical world, and the world that is unseen, the spiritual world, that they are connected, intertwined in ways that I don't think we really even begin to understand. And we live between the worlds. We are spiritual and we are physical and we interact. And we see that here with these flying creatures. And it goes on to say, um, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within, and they do not rest day and night. Now, so they got these different faces, they've got six wings, and they've got eyes that are everywhere. And we think, that's a little, if we're going to be honest, that's a little monstrous. And when you go to try to picture, when you try to see people who have drawn pictures of what these things look like, it does look monstrous. It's like these eyes everywhere. They usually put a big eye in the middle and they have a face somewhere in there and it just looks strange. Somehow, I think that these, these seraphim, because we're gonna see that that's what they are, that these seraphim are beautiful. I think in, despite the fact that they look the way that they look, we're not sure exactly whether they really have eyes all around or whether that represents something. 
We're not sure that the, the cherubim that are spoken of in Ezekiel have four faces, like it says, or whether those four faces represent something. So we have to understand when we're looking at these that there are representations. We take things as literal as we can because that's the best way to stay true to the text. Uh, but we do understand as well that there are things that speak of other things. And so I believe that these angels, although they sound really you don't want to see an angel appear like that. You don't want to wake up and see one with eyes all around and the face of a lion and six wings and um, in your room. That's not the angel you want to see. You be, that's, those are the, that's the stuff of nightmares. Um, however, I think if we saw it, we would be amazed. I think it's going to be more glorious. The glory of the angels that are in the throne room crying out to God has got to be a tremendous amount of glory. And so it says they didn't rest day and night. Uh, let me get where I am here. Uh, they do not rest day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. One of my favorite hymns, I just told somebody that this last week, is holy, holy, holy. It was my favorite hymn as a kid when I was in the Methodist church. They'd start to sing that song. I'd perk up and I loved it. I, I love it today. It's not one that makes it in the rotation much, but maybe at some point we might, I might have some influence to, or, or rewrite it kind of like all the other hymns get rewritten, right? Where they, you add in something, it's a little bit more contemporary, but at least it's a throwback. It's a nod back anyway. Um, but they're crying, holy, holy, holy. And here's God, and we're gonna talk about worship in the next chapter. Uh, it, it, there are those that claim, and especially atheists will do this, that claim that God is egotistical to demand worship. That if you demanded people worship you, it's egotistical. And we'll talk more about it. However, the Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. So we are supposed to give honor to the people that honor, that honor is due. And we are to give God honor because honor is due to God. And he is holy, holy, holy. He is righteous. He is pure. He is generous. He is great. He is gracious. He is merciful. All of these things are true, and it makes him deserving of our worship. And I don't know that there's a demand for worship as much as there, the, the world. I don't know that there is a passage where God says, worship me. Instead, what you hear is people in Psalms saying, worship him, for he is worthy. They're encouraging us to worship him, not because God's saying, I need your worship, but because he is full of honor and glory. And these angels fly around the throne room, crying out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Now in chapter one, Jesus said, I am the Almighty, the first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the Almighty. Now we learn that this is Lord God Almighty. As amazing as the world of the angels are, God created them all. And God is the Almighty who longs to work through men and longs to work through angels, works through all of us for the salvation of people who are in the world. It says who was and is and is to come. And this is speaking of his name. He is the ever existent one. He is the, the YHWH, the Tetragrammaton, the name of God means to be or to always exist. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? Tell them that I am has sent you. I am the one who's always existing. So this is that who was, who is, and who is to come. There's only one that that can be said of, and that is God. 
verse, verse 9, uh, whoever, um, whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him, saying, who lives forever and ever, oh, excuse me, and cast their throne, saying, you are worthy, O Lord. And here again, we have the creatures, the people that are in heaven telling us that God is worthy or telling God that he is worthy. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they exist and were created. So someone who goes out of their way to save someone's life. I, I heard about someone here recently that someone was drowning, they jumped in, put their own life at risk and saved the person. And a lot of people are talking about how, what a brave act it was to be able to do it. You're giving honor to where honor is due. You're not just going, well, let's just be just demanding praise so we better praise him. It's not like the atheist trying to make it like a giant monster up in, in sky. You worship me, you little creations of mine, you worship me. But it's that we're seeing who he is and that he is worthy. And all of these things are true about God and we're gonna see it even more. He's worthy to receive the glory and the honor and the power because he created all things. And by your will, they all exist and were created. So it's by God's will that all of this world has been created and the, the earth is full of his glory, right? So we look out on, at a sunset. I took a picture of a sunset, I mean of a sunrise. I guess it was yesterday morning or no, it was sunset um, yesterday evening and it was amazing. It was just, and I was thinking the full earth is full of your glory. The sky literally looked on fire. I wish I could pull up my phone and show you the picture. It was amazing. It just looked on fire. Some of you guys I'm sure saw it. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, we're going to go on in this throne room account and we're going to start to get to the details of the Lamb of God receiving uh, the scroll that has the seven seals on it and he'll be the one that starts the tribulation period. So we're right at this point where we're beginning to get into some of those details. We're going to see angels throughout. There are four angels that are... <clears throat> Well, there's just, there's just all kinds of angels mentioned here in the book of Revelation and demons that we just wouldn't expect as we make our way through it. So I want us to take some time to look at the world of angels. And we see here in the throne room, the seraphim. And a few things about them before we get into what they look like. The word seraph in the Old Testament is an interesting word. It means poisonous snake. You may have heard that seraphim means burning one, and that is true. But the reason a poisonous snake was called a seraph is because if they bite you, it burns. So the burning one is a serpent. It's actually, I, I looked it up today, looking up that there's eight or nine places in the Old Testament that the word seraph is used. The word um, natash is the word serpent in Hebrew. So oftentimes it will say Natash, but when Moses was told to put the pole up in the wilderness with a serpent on it, so that when people were bit by a serpent, they would look at the pole and be healed, which of course we know is a representation of Christ, right? It's a weird representation, but it's, it's speaking of Jesus. 
that you look upon Jesus on the cross who became sin for us, that that word for serpent is seraph. And the plural of seraph is seraphim. Now, there are some scholars, um, Tim Mackey from the Bible Project is one of them, and I don't agree with everything that Tim Mackey says or that, that he believes. I, I like the Bible Project. There's a lot that I've learned from them. There are certain things that I go, eh, I don't think so. But they are one who believe that the seraphim are serpent-like. And it's possible that the seraphim, because they're only brought up in two places, are a type of cherubim. A cherubim is a more broad animal that has, or a more broad creature, not an animal, but creature, right? Living creature. So a more broad living creature that has different forms, different types of cherubim. So it's possible that a seraphim was a different type and that it could have been a seraphim, a serpent, who tempted Eve. And there's some difficulties and problems and questions that come up. And I'm not ready to even, I'm just now beginning to look at these things. So I'm not ready to give any conclusions at all to it. I just want to let you know that this is, is, is what the Bible says. That when the Bible uses the word seraph, it's speaking of a poisonous, ser a poisonous serpent. And these are seraphim. And it, it seems like it's connected. So let's take a look at where, what it talks about with the seraphim. In the, this is Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. In the, this is Isaiah's vision of the throne room. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, just like in Revelation. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So this is this vision of the same seraphim we just saw in Revelation. The whole earth is full of his glory and the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. So we in Revelation are seeing a specific day in heaven when the Lamb of God will take the scroll and begin to open the seals. This is further back when the, the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. And the, the, the whole area is filled with smoke from this. But we see a similarity. Now let's go to the cherubim. There's a whole lot more in the Bible about the cherubim than there are the seraphim. And the cherubim seem to be different. Now, it's difficult because we know certain things represent other things. And so is there representation taking place? Are they talking all about the same creature? It doesn't seem to be. And I'll point out some of this as we make our way through it. We find our first cherub in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. When man has been banned from the Garden of Eden, and it says in Genesis 3.24, so he drove out man and placed a cherubim, or placed cherubim, plural, at the east of the Garden of Eden. And a flaming sword turning every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So cherubim were put there. So they're guarding. So sometimes people will say, well, cherubim. And by the way, when you think of cherub, how many times have you seen pictures of cherub when they're fat little flying baby, naked babies, right? <laughs> though, though, that's not what we're going to see. That's what, that is not what he put outside of the Garden of Eden to guard it. Now, you little baby cherubs, you guard it well. Go make sure nobody goes in there. No, we're going to see there's something else going on. Some people say, that cherubs are only in the throne room, but that's not true. 
we see it that there are cherubs other places as we make our way through the Bible. Right here, their first time they show up is one of them. And their job is to guard a place for to help mankind. Again, the principle of first appearance in the Bible, when you're studying something, you want to look at the first place they show up. So here we have the first place that an angel shows up and it's to protect mankind. And angels protect us. And we'll get into that more in a moment. Now, in David's song of deliverance in 2 Samuel 21, 11, he brings up a cherub. He's worshiping God for what God has done. And he's making this song of deliverance is that he called out to God and God got angry and he blew smoke and he got, you know, he, all these things are happening. And then he says in verse 11, he rode upon a cherub. So we actually have God riding on a cherub. It had to be the lion cherub, I would think. I couldn't imagine the lion of the tribe of Judah and then the lion cherub. Makes sense? Kind of joking, similar, sort of. Sometimes joke this. If you've got to explain it, you lost it. There was no good, okay? So um, he rode a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. Now, is this an event that happened? Is this David talking about how he was rescued? by God riding on a cherub and on the wings of the wind. I don't know, but it's a pretty amazing passage. Psalms 99, 1 tell us that cherub, repre uh, cherub represent, that are, are represented in the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, we know from Hebrews, is a type of the temple in heaven. It's a shadow. The things that are in the tabernacle are actually in heaven. There's an altar in heaven. There's an Ark of the Covenant in heaven. There's cherubim in heaven. On the veil that separated the holy place from the holiest of holies, there were cherubim on that veil. Inside of the veil, on top of the Ark of the Covenant, there were two cherubim that were facing each other and their wings reached out and covered the mercy seat where they would sprinkle the blood. So now we have the throne room where there's cherubim and we have cherubim who are in the tabernacle, which is a type of where Christ is. Now, Ezekiel um, tells us that Satan was a cherub. This is really interesting. There's a passage in Ezekiel 28 where God is speaking against the king of, of Tyre. Just like Isaiah 14, another reference to Satan, he's talking to the king of Babylon. But, but when you begin to read it, it becomes evident he's not talking about the king of Babylon or the king of Tyre, but he's talking about the power behind the king of Babylon and the king of Tyre, and that power is Satan himself. And so we get a list of who Satan is. And in verses 14 and 15 of Ezekiel 28, it says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. Now, the cherub on the, the Ark of the Covenant are covering the mercy seat. So there's a lot of speculation on what the anointed cherub who covers is. And it doesn't say you were a anointed cherub that covers, but the, the, the definite article is there. You were the anointed cherub that covers, which would give us the idea that he had a high rank up in heaven. And if, if cherubs all look the same, we're going to get a description of them, then Satan definitely doesn't look like people try to make Satan look today. He says, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your way. 
from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So just like Adam and Eve had no sin nature and they were perfect until pride caused Eve to go, I want that. The pride of life, this can make me wise. And she listened to the lies of Satan. You'll be like God. Satan wanted to be like God. He brought that lie over. So they were perfect, but they sinned and fell from it. So was Satan and he sinned and he fell from it. Now, the, the biggest description that we have or the most detailed is the one in Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel 1, 14 through 15. And it's the vision where he sees the whirlwind and then out of the whirlwind comes this, this it's, it's God's chariot throne is what it is. It's got wheels, it's got a throne on it, it's got cherubim that are directing it. And here's what he sees. Uh, he says, then I looked and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north. A great cloud of raging fire engulfed itself and brightness was all around it and radiated out of the midst of it like the color of amber out of the midst of fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. So the likeness of four living creatures. It doesn't say eight living creatures and we'll talk about why here in a few minutes. And this, is, this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces. So the appearance of the body was like a man. And each one had four faces. The, you, and you could probably guess what the faces were. And, um, and had four wings. So the cherubim have four wings. The seraphim had six wings. The legs were straight. The soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. So right away, we're getting a different picture than we get from other angels, right? They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man was under their wings with four sides and each of the four faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each went straight forward. So they got a face everywhere, right? And so the picture is when this chariot throne is going to go this way, they go that way. Then they go this way. Then they go this way. And they've got a face facing in every direction that the chariot throne is going. That's the picture of what's happening because they got faces. If I had four faces, I wouldn't turn either. I'd just be like, I'm going to go back here. I'm going to go over here. So that's what they do. They don't turn. They just go in the direction that, that they're going to go. Um, the, so, um, and for a likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and each had, and the other had the, and each had the face of an eagle. So these are the same four representing the, the four, all, all of creation over all the land that is on the earth. It, um, each one, yeah, and then it goes on to say, thus were the faces, their wings stretched upward, two wings of which one touched another and two covered their bodies. Each one went straight forward. So we're getting this again, this idea that they don't turn, uh, that they went wherever the spirit wanted to go. So here's a reference to the spirit, talking about the spirit of God or is it talking about the spirit of the cherubim? And they did not turn when they went. As for the likeness of the living creature, their appearance was like burning coals of fire like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. Now listen to what they do. 
the fire was bright and out of the fire went lightning and the living creatures ran back and forth in the appearance like the flashing of lightning. So it's not this vision of this chariot throne that comes out, but it's this vision of this chariot throne that comes out and then starts flying around. It's like lightning, it's moving, but it's not turning to move. It's moving and moving and moving and moving and moving. Now, what's going on in Ezekiel's life? He has been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. He's outside of Babylon. And, and he sees this vision of the throne of God, not turning, but going straight forward in whatever direction it's going. And it would be speaking to Ezekiel that God's on the throne. God's still in charge. It, God he knows what's happening now. So he's, he's reassuring Ezekiel that God's doing what he's doing by all of these things happening. Now, there's another angel that is brought off, and that is the Ophamim. Uh, maybe you've never heard of the Ophamim. There might be a reason for that, because they might not be angels. But the word Ophamim means wheels in Hebrew. And this chariot has wheels. And these wheels have eyes. And so, people, if the, if the wheels have eyes, then they must be alive. Because live things have eyes. So let's read. We go on in Ezekiel's vision. This is the very next verse. After seeing him shoot all around, he now wants to talk about the Ophamim. And some say that these are angels as well. There's a debate as to whether or not they are. I'll let you know what I think once we get to the end of this. So verse 15. Now as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with four faces. The appearance of the wheel and their working was like the color of barrel, which is kind of blue. And all four had the same likeness. So they all look just alike. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So this is Ezekiel's wheel in a wheel. This is where, when you're watching the History Channel and Ancient Aliens, could it be that Ezekiel saw, uh, you know, the spaceship? That's, this is it. This is what they're seeing. Wheels and wheels. Uh, when they moved, they went towards any four directions. So just like the cherubim, the wheels turned and went only in the four directions to get where they were going. So they didn't turn either. So there's, that's the, the, the takeaway from this is there's no turning in this at all. It, it goes on to say, um, they went towards any one of the four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for the rims... So this, this sounds to me like wheels. Doesn't sound like creatures. And he didn't say, I saw eight creatures, right? He said, I saw four. So you're starting to get kind of where I stand on this. As for their rims, they were so high that they were awesome. And their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whenever the spirit wanted to go, they went because their spirits went and the wheels were lifted up together with them for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. So the living creature spirit was actually in the wheels. So is this part of the seraphim? Is that, but it's, it's, it's not, the spirit of the seraphim, excuse me, cherubim is in these wheels. Well, when they, when these went, they went up those stood, though these stood. When those were lifted up, they were lifted up. 
the wheels were lifted up together with them for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. All right. So I don't think that these are angels. I don't think the Ophamine are angels. There's a lot of people who do. I don't think they are. I think it would say eight living creatures. He said four living creatures. Uh, the spirit of the cherubim are in the wheels. I think the wheels represent this chariot throne of God. And maybe the angels working on the earth for God through the spirit or through circumstances as these wheels came up and down off of the earth, as they went up and down off of the earth as they moved. So there's a lot we could talk about about what they would represent, but I don't think they represent angels. Now, it's not the only place we see the wheels. We see them in Daniel chapter 7. It says, and I saw thrones being set up and the ancient of days was on his thrones and his wheels were like a flame of fire shooting forward. And I've always said of that passage, I love it as a muscle car guy. I love that. That God's chariot thrown fire shooting out of it. It's awesome. But I don't think that the Ophamine are angels. So then let's get to the angels. Now, this is the, the third kind. So you have cherubim and you've got seraphim and then you've got messengers, which is what angels mean. And there are ranks among the angels principalities and powers. Michael is the top rank. In fact, the Bible calls him the archangel. Arch means chief, the chief angel. And every time you see Michael, you see him in battle. He shows up ready to fight. He's fighting with Satan in the book of Jude. He's fighting in Revelation with the dragon. Him and his host and the dragon and his host fighting together and Michael winning and casting him down. You see uh, Michael standing up, the great prince over the nation of Israel, over your people, he says to Daniel. So he's a prince and there's princes over nations. When Gabriel said he was fighting the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece in the book of Daniel, Michael said, uh, I only have, Gabriel said to Daniel, I only have Michael, one of the chief princes, to help me. So that's the reason that we think that there's more uh, chief princes than just one. So, it, and we don't know who they are. And are they equal to Michael or is Michael over them? We don't know. Is there a, a hierarchy in the chief princes that Gabriel was talking about but we do have him called the chief prince, but also referred to as one of the chief princes. And Michael's the one who will finally get Satan and throw him out. And Satan was high up in the rankings in heaven. They have an appearance like a man. As I said earlier, cherubim, seraphim have wings. Messenger angels do not. And angels means messenger, so I'm just gonna say angels. They do not. They look like a man. Sometimes they look like men and they are recognized as normal men. And sometimes they have an appearance that's downright frightening. The angel that rolled away the stone is an example of how frightening they can look. It says in Matthew 28, 3, and, uh, 3 through 5, his countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guard, and the guard shook for fear of him and, because, and became like dead men. But the angels answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. So his countenance like lightning, his clothing white as stone, the guards shook from the fear of this angel that turned away the stone. In Psalms 103, 20 and 21, we read this last week, blessed be the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength. They are strong, they are powerful, they excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice, bless the Lord, all you his host, 
you ministers of his who do his pleasure. There are over a hundred million angels. The Bible says twice, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands were worship, of the angels were worshiping him. That 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. I think that the number thousands times 10,000 and thousands of thousands is just this great big number. I think it's more than 100 million. I do. I just think it's, it's their, their way. Uh, in Greek, the highest number you could get to was 10,000. So you had to start doing some form of 10,000 after a while. So it's just talking about this huge number. I want to read it to you. Uh, we'll get there in our next study, probably. Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, angels in the New Testament, in the Bible, an angel set Peter free from prison, strengthened and encouraged Paul in Corinth. Some, the Bible says, have entertained angels. You may have entertained angels. Uh, the Bible says the, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Angels rejoice in salvation when one person is saved. Angels announced the resurrection. Jesus commands angels. He said, don't you know I could command 12 legions of angels to come and help me right now? He said to Peter when he cut off the high priest's ear. An angel appeared and spoke to Philip and told him where to go. I think angels are working all around us. Now, obviously, I couldn't go to all these places, right? That's why I said the, the, the study of angels is like, and what they do in the Bible is like a series of teaching, not one teaching. There's no way to do it. Children have angels. The concept of guardian angels, the first thing the cherub, that angels do, the cherubim, is guard men from going back into the garden and being hurt. And now children have angels. When the disciples went to Jesus and said, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And I got to think that it was like, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Right, Jesus? Who's, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Because they always argued about it. The disciples argued about who's the greatest. So Jesus went and took a child and stood a child in the midst of them and said, you've got to become like this child in order to, to, to make it into heaven. You guys want to talk about who's greatest. You guys haven't even done what you need to do to get into heaven yet. You've got to be like this child to get into heaven. And then as he went a little further, he said this. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And the Son of Man has come to serve that which was lost. And so there are the concept of, of guardian angels for children Jesus spoke of. Now, three things in closing. Many like to emphasize the demonic realm. However, the angelic realm is far greater, far greater. And I would rather put my focus in the spiritual realm on the angels who are sent to help us than the demons who we've been told are powerless against us unless we cooperate with them. Give no place to the animal. <laughs> to the animal. What's an animal? <laughs> animal. Enemy and I don't know what the mull is. All right. But give no place to the, to the enemy. And, if, and, and flee, uh, flee from temptation. We're told how to fight against the demonic world. And it's never by getting someone in a room and praying six hours for them to be delivered. I just want to say that. Because that's detrimental to do something that is so non-biblical to someone. Second, 
Not only are the angels powerful and helping us, but they serve the Almighty. How can we not but win as long as we make it to the end? As long as we endure? It's like we, we said before, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. Those who make it to the end will be saved. You may be tattered and torn and, and, and beat up, but you made it to the end. So just make it to the end. And finally, we are doing the work God, the work of God with the helps of spirit and angels. No wonder, Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. We have angels ministering and helping us to do the work for those who have found salvation. We are going to defeat the enemy. And that's why I say the gospel presented is going to save people. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, the Bible says. And we have the spirit of God inside of us. We are the light of the world. We've been given the gospel. We have angels working with us and we have God Almighty at our call. We can go before his throne to get help in a time of need. How can the church not be successful? If we're doing the work that God has called us to do, I'm not saying everyone's gonna get saved, but I am saying that people are gonna get saved because the gates of hell cannot prevail against us when we look at this world of the angels. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, what a great picture of this angelic realm that we see. And Lord, uh, the throne room with the cherubim and the seraphim. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, that we would understand who we are in you, that we one day will judge angels, that we have your spirit inside of us. What an amazing privilege you've given to us, mankind. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.